Hi, my name is Jeff Fagano and welcome to the Harpen Rugby Podcast, the Leinster and Ireland fan site in audio form. Well, we're getting closer to the season kickoff, and it was great to be back in the Aviva Stadium last Friday to watch Leinster's victory over Harlequins. Check the program notes if you missed our match right up. That was a great start to the week, one which was supposed to turn into a great one, especially for women's rugby, what with the final round of interprovincials at Donnybrook, plus Ireland's first World Cup qualifier on Monday, all of which were supposed to be very positive events for the game on these shores. Well, as you probably know, things didn't exactly go to plan. I hope to cover these issues more over the next week, so stay tuned to the website for that. For this week's pod, however, we're going to look a bit beyond the start of the United Rugby Championship because we mustn't forget there is also a new European campaign to look forward to. Some fixtures were announced last week, and while we don't know the exact date just yet, we did learn that Leinster's opening match in the quest for that fifth star will be back at the Aviva Stadium against the Premiership side Bath. So I had a quick chat with the curator of a great Twitter account, at Bath Bites, to see how the team is shaping up for the new campaign. So without any further ado, here's how we get on. Now it's time for our back and forward chat and joining me to talk about Bath Rugby and looking ahead to the new Premiership season is the owner of one of the great Bath Twitter accounts, at Bath Bites. A warm welcome to Mr. Matt Price. Hiya. How's it going, sir? Thanks for coming on. Yeah, not too um, bad. Well, first, we, um, before we get on with things, why don't you just uh, sort of introduce yourself, tell you how you got into Bath and how you set up the Twitter accounts. I've been going to Bath since, well, 1984. Um, my dad took me down uh, to watch Bath and then... It was the first season we actually won a trophy as well. So I kind of straight away got the bug and been going to do it. And yeah, I mean, I, it, I was basically just sort of getting into Twitter and stuff like that. I noticed there was a few Twitter accounts floating around and stuff like that for like fans. And I just kind of thought, well, maybe I could do that and just sort of kind of started it up. Um, always try and take the lighthearted approach, never go too serious. I'd rather just have a laugh and enjoy it yeah it gets a bit distressing when Bath lose but then again try and keep that as light-hearted as possible because you can get wet dragged way down into it and Twitter can be a very strange place at times absolutely oh yeah I mean there's a lot of I, I always say it I mean there is a lot of um a lot of negativity there on the Twitter but once you when you've been on Twitter for a few years and you get to know the good accounts, you just block the bad ones and you end up with it. You can end up with a decent timeline of people that uh, when you're watching a game, you can do, you, you can have a good, decent conversation about the, the rugby that's going on. I'm sure it's the same over there too. Well, yeah, I get, you know, the same people, quite a few, you know, people messaging me, tweeting me and, and stuff like that, which is quite good. Um, and there's, you know, a lot of the bad fans are really good. It does get, you know, we've, we've not had the best run of the last few years. So there's been sort of quite, some sorrowful tweets and stuff like that and just people venting their anger and things but generally nine times out of ten it's just have a bit of a laugh and you know don't take it too seriously um and just enjoy it you know there's no point in you know going too deep into it and making it everything just have a bit of a laugh and get your point across really Absolutely. I mean, but when you've had, like you say, you've, when you've had the success in the past that Bath have, and, you know, there's great traditions there, there have been great players there over the years and stuff, I suppose the expectation levels do get, but you, you also have to factor in the fact that the game did go pro at yeah. one stage, and there was a lot of changes, a lot of clubs, a lot of money came in, there was, you know, a lot of clubs just kind of sprung up and became, kind of became great, so that was always going to be a, a challenge a challenge for, for, for a club with that, your kind of history, but um, let's have a look at... Um, you know, more recent times and just see how things maybe went for Bath maybe last season. You know I mean? This, the, the, the numbers say you finished seventh in the Premiership, um, 
you, you know, but qualified for Europe again. Um, you, only, you only got to play one Champions Cup game last season. Uh, that was uh, the, the Scarlets. And then the other one was uh, postponed for COVID, I think, was it? Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, But then you, you you went into the Challenge Cup and got to the semifinals there. So how, how, how did that all seem um, for, for, for the Bath fans? I mean, uh, it was quite strange because obviously the way that they were sort of restructuring the whole European tournament and, you know, like you say, we played one game and then all of a sudden, you know, we're in a different tournament and, and we, we did okay. You know, it wasn't... Um, I think we had a hope that we might do quite well. You know, we the way that the Premiership was going, you know, we want to cling to anything, really. We look towards any kind of silverware. Um, wasn't to be. I think for us qualifying, finishing seventh and making the Champions Cup this season, I think a lot of fans were a bit like, I don't think we're ready for that. They'd prefer if we did the second tier tournament because um, possibly we would stand better in that um, rather than, you know, playing the likes of Leinster and La Rochelle, which we've got this year, you know, two very big clubs. Um, and, you know, it was, it was nice that we had a little run in the, I mean, a lot of people sort of, you know, I had a few digs from a few Bristol fans saying, you know, um, oh, look at you going for the um, thing. And as I pointed out, that was a trophy that they won and they so heavily heralded. Um, and the next minute, apparently, because we are in it, it's a lesser trophy. So that was quite good fun. But yeah, it's <laughs> Europe's a very strange place for us. We were the first British team to win the European Cup. Um, you know, the first English team. Um, and that's, you know, and, and that was a big thing. I and mean, we just haven't hit, hit those heights since um, we got close. A bit of a champions uh, challenge, or whatever it was called back then, you know, um, trophy, won that as well. But it's never really been, since the early days, never really hit our strides in Europe, really. So whether it's our rugby doesn't suit or we don't, I don't really know. It's a, it's a strange one. Mm. But one thing I've always heard, now I haven't been over to the rec myself, but um, one thing I've always heard from Leinster fans uh, over the years is that like of all the grounds they love going to, that's that's the one that they that they always talk about. It's a great atmosphere there. So obviously, you know, I mean, you know, if that's true, then obviously the the the, the years of um, of you know not finding that, getting that over that final hurdle and getting a major trophy, it hasn't dampened the spirits of the fans there. I mean, you know, the one thing is with the situation of the wreck as well, right in the centre of the city, you know, you're looking at the Abbey, you know, the, the surroundings are stunning. It's absolutely amazing. Um, and a nice, you know, when the sun's coming down of an evening and so that is absolutely amazing there. There is a good atmosphere. We get a lot of criticism for the um, facilities at the ground, which, let's be honest, they're not great. And the, the, the sort of, you know, 100 year attempt at trying to get the ground redeveloped is still completely ongoing. It's just completely endless. But you hear from more fans across, you know, the premiership and stuff like that. They love coming to the rack. And it is it's it's a special place. It is great. You know, we love it's it's a rugby town, well rugby city. That's you know the, the big thing. You know, we okay we've got fourteen and a half thousand capacity. Nine times out of ten it's full. Um, so, you know, regardless of whether we're winning or losing, we're still passionate about the club and we're still, you know, still pack the base out and there'll still be loads of people there. That's brilliant, yeah. And um, just just looking ahead maybe to um, th th this season coming up now, you've got um, 
you've got a kind of an expanded premiership now, so a couple of extra games, so that'd be an extra day out for you in the rec um, during the season. It's sort of a 13 team league. It's a bit it's a bit unwieldy, but you know, it's like it's. I think they're, I think they're looking for it eventually to be 14. Eventually down the line, they'll probably add another one there. That's where they're going. Yeah. Um, they brought the 13th team in, which obviously Saracen's, Saracen's got promotion back up. It also gives teams a bye week as well. So apparently it's supposed to give them an extra week off uh, to, to sort of like, you know, have a bit of a break from too much rugby. But I am aware that some teams have arranged a fixture on their bye week, which I don't, I think that's kind of going against the thought of the bye week. But mm-hmm. Okay, but like um, you say, they'll use that to justify saying, "Well, this worked, so we'll um, so we'll go to fourteen teams and have the extra competitive game anyway." Yeah, exactly. You know, but uh, you know, there's been a lot of championing around about player welfare and them not playing too much rugby, and then all of a sudden the league increases by an extra team. Um, so it, yeah, I, I can I know I, you know basically I think in the end what they want is a fourteen team league and the door shut. I think that's what they've wanted for a very long time. Um, the fans don't want it. A lot of the pundits don't want it. Um, it just seems that there's a collection of people that do want it. Mm. Um, well, the broadcasters want it. I think that's yeah. one of the one of the main things. So, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's you don't want the dead rubber matches. You don't. You know, they're they're not. You know, people aren't going to go to them. You know, if you've got two teams with no jeopardy whatsoever. They're not going to be interested. They're not going to, not going to go and not going to watch it, you know. So mm. people want that jeopardy of will they be able to stay up or will they, you know, not. You know, you look at the the sort of um, Pro 14 or whatever heck it's called next year. I don't know mm-hmm. what what is known as now. United United Rugby Championship, I think, is the latest. Uh, is what they've they they, they they they've fallen on this year, but we'll see what it is next year. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but. You know, you, you get the matches where you get the two teams that aren't doing anything. And I would imagine the viewing figures and even the attendance isn't great. You know, people want the jeopardy of, of the games. Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully, Bath don't ever get in a situation where we are fighting for relegation, but we've got close. Yeah, absolutely. Well, tell us about your squad anyway, and uh, how, how's, the, um, how's the first team working for this season? This is the the thing with Bath is it's always on paper. That's the main fact that Bath is always good on paper. Um, on paper, brilliant. On the field, doesn't seem to work a lot of the time. We've got some of the best, you know, you look at the back row options, you know, Falatau, Underhill, we, um, you know, Miles Reed's coming through, Josh Bayliss, you know, just this huge, you know, Back row options are their front row options. You've got three potential England players, Abanu, Dunn, uh, Will Stewart. Back line, you know, you've got Watson, you know, Cam Redpath. There's all these players, but it and Spencer at nine, but it wasn't the ball would come out the forwards and just didn't seem to ever get to the wingers. Or, you know, it, it just didn't get there. So, you know, Priestland got Bath a lot of points kicks everything and anything and um, holds the premiership record for the most continuous uh, goals kicked without missing um, and but it never really seemed to move so there seems to be a lot put on Cipriani coming in this season um, does worry me that there's a lot put on the shoulders of one player and we know that he can be a little bit too maverick at times 
But if you get the likes of uh, Tom de Granville, of um, Anthony Watson, Will Muir, uh, Rory McConaughey, any of these guys getting the ball in space on the wing, then there's a lot of potential. So hopefully the, the ability to marry up the forwards and the backs, which is what seems to have been missing for the last few seasons. So, you know, there's, there's the only problem for, in my mind at the moment is we really are struggling on second row. Because we let Elliot Stuke go, um, a couple of seasons Dave Atwood left, um, and we have Josh McNally, Charlie Yules, and Will Spencer are, are only three um, senior listed players for the second row, which is very dangerous going into the season. I know that Mike Williams can play second row, Josh Bayliss can fit in at second row, but they're not specialised second row players. It seems to be fitting a player in. Um, and I know Nally's injured at the moment as well, which isn't good going into the start of the season. So there's a few bits in around the squad that are a bit weak, but then you look at other sections of the squad and it's you know packed. Like I say, Bath are always good on paper, but I'd love to see that actually work on grass for, for a change. And if you're short on squad members at, and <clears throat> at any positions, I mean, the Premiership um, was known for being attritional anyway before they went and added a 13th team. Um, and it's not a, and you, 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 over there, which, which this is what I like once it's done safely, that you actually tend to play your best 15 where possible week in, week out. You don't see that um, in our league uh, here where we, we tend to rest players and it's more um, play. We play in blocks of games rather than um, having a, a settled 15 week in, week out. But if you don't, but now that they're adding more games, I mean, if you don't have any backup in those positions, really, really, it becomes a real struggle over the course of a long season. But well, the, the academies are where they're, you know, where a lot of going to be drawn from a lot of squads. Um, Bath have been working very heavy on their academy. They're bringing lots of players through from the academies. I mean, you know, you go through the you go through the team, and you've got like you know Tom Dunn in the front came through the, uh, the hooker came through the academy, and um, we've got Miles Reed. Came onto the scene last year. Josh Bayliss, um, we've got Max Ajomo, who will be um, played last year a couple of games, but I think he'll be featuring a lot more this season. Um, even Tom DeGlanville in the back. You know, there's there's lots of they're really used, but they're going to have to dip into the academy a lot this season. And a lot of teams, I think, because they've reduced the salary cap as well, so it's become a lot more of a logistical sort of effort to to be able to get. A 23-man squad out week in, week out, and you know, throw in international matches. Um, whereas we seem to have quite a few internationals. Again, that then means you've got to start dipping into the academy. So a lot of these young lads are going to be getting a lot of exposure in big Premiership games. Whereas you've got some teams that don't have many um, international players, so don't lose that many through the window, and they capitalise on that. So mm. it, times it seems it's almost a punishment to have decent international players you want to have the best players playing for you mm. but they then end up spending a lot of time away in training camps or getting injured by eddie jones um yeah which is quite a, a big one for, for bath we've lost a lot through that um so yeah it's i, I wouldn't want to have the job of keeping a squad ticking over this season because i think it's going to be quite some 
quite some effort. Yeah, it's definitely a challenge. And uh, <clears throat> going back to the fans, like you had some, you were able to get down to some games towards the end of our season. Did they, did they let some fans in towards the end? How, how did that work out for you? I think the last game they managed to, they, there was one where there was going to be about a thousand fans and then it got cancelled. And it, it, it was, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a nightmare, really. Um, I didn't get down to see any. I know there was a few people that did get to see some, but I, unfortunately, I couldn't make any of the games, mm. um, which is why this season I will be doing my damnedest to get to as many games of rugby as I want because it's been far too long. I'd say so. Yeah, we had a game there just on Friday against Queens, and um, it was the, they. The, the, the RDS holds about 18,000, but they wanted to have over 10,000. So they had to move it over to the Aviva so they could spread them out. But it was still it was still great to hear those mm. blocks of supporters all shouting. It was like a novelty, like, you know, when the, when the game was going on. It's, uh, it's really important to get that atmosphere back going. So hopefully, and so the plan is to, with the season kicking off this weekend, there, there will be fans. Is it, is, it, is it being phased in or how's it working? Um, it's going to be um, capacity, I believe. Um, you know, they're going to be getting as many people in as possible. It should be. They're doing it in football, so I suppose... Uh, well, exactly. Yeah. When you had the, the Premiership final, they had, um, I think it was something like 10,000 people in Twickenham, mm -hmm. um, which is an 82,000-seat stadium, and they had 10,000 people in there. Mm. Along the road, they had the Wimbledon final, which was full. And then there was also, also the, the, European, the Euros, you know, and they yeah. were all in Wembley and all stuff like that. But still, rugby, there was only 10,000 people, whereas, you know, and it was an amazing game of rugby as well, which is a shame that there wasn't the crowd there. I mean, it was lovely to hear fans in Twickenham watching the Premiership final. You know, any, you know, seeing any sports and event with fans watching just makes the world a difference. Um, instead of having some bloke in a booth pushing a button and hoping he gets it at the right time. Mm -hmm. it, it's not, it was, it was so good to hear the fans, but it should, it deserved more fans. And that was what was quite frustrating when you see the likes of Centre Court at Wimbledon packed to the rafters, Wembley packed, and then you look at Twickenham, half full. I think it's good that a team that can finish fourth can still come back and win. I mean, it's good for mm. that to happen every so often. It kind of justifies the, the, the top four playoff system that that anyone can really win it once you once you can do it on the day. So that was, uh, that, that it, was just, it was just a shame they couldn't, like you say, they couldn't get more in to watch it. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, I'm, I'm I'm still hit and miss on the whole playoff thing. Yeah, because for me, if you finish top of the league, congratulations, you've just won the league. Mm. But we've been doing it for a long time now. We should, you know, we're still. Again, the broadcasters want it, so it's probably not going to go anywhere. Yeah, we still, we still grumble, but we accept it. Exactly. Well, listen, um, yeah, and hopefully now, uh, like I said, we, we had about 10,000 at the RD, RD Viva there the other night, but um, when, when Bath come to town at the beginning of December, they, they, we, we've got the fixtures towards the end of last week or the, the, the weekends anyway, when they're going to be. So it's going to be Bath coming to the Viva. I don't know how travel's going to be by then. Um, if, if, if we ever get some traveling fans, but part of, part of the, the great thing about those um, those occasions, would, would you normally uh, tend to go to European matches if you can, if you can get away? Um, I don't tend to. Um, mm. generally, um, I think the best I've got to is to go to uh, watch Scarlets um, and Bath won that game as well, which was nice. Um, I don't, uh, I'm hoping to in the next few years to sort of start trying to get, I mean, you know, Leinster, well, you know, and, and uh, La Rochelle, I think, you know, it's two, two pretty decent places that may be worth a, a visit. 
Um, but I don't know, maybe not this year, traveling and stuff like that is still a bit dodgy. Um, but hopefully, yeah, you know, but be nice, wouldn't it? Obviously, welcome Leinster fans across the wreck, and um, I'm sure there'll be quite a big traveling contingent as long as everything's acceptable. Definitely, yeah. Well, listen, yeah, because um, we, we'll be looking forward to, the, to, to kicking off uh, Europe and um, whether it's traveling or not, like hopefully I'll have you on again, maybe uh, just yeah. before that, just before that weekend. And we'll see how Bath have been getting on. We'll see how Leinster have been getting on and how the two sides are looking. So listen, I want to say thanks to you, Matt, for coming on and uh, best of luck. You're playing Sales Sharks this weekend, I think it is. Yes, uh, five o'clock kickoff on Saturday. Um, it was three o'clock, but they've moved it back to five. So that'll be an interesting one. We did beat them up there last year, um, and it was one of the best performances Bath put in the season. Um, don't normally go to the AJ Bell and, and do well. Um, well, maybe a lot of teams struggle. Bath against Sale are not notably rubbish games. Um, you know, there's been like a 6 3, um, all this sort of stuff, 15 minutes worth of scrummaging in one spot. It's, it always turns out an interesting game. Um, definitely one for the purists. Um, but, you know, it'd be quite interesting, the, the large South African contingent of, of sale with however many Dupreas they got. Um, and, you know, and they're big, they're big lumps as well. So mm. it, it could be could be an interesting game, maybe a close one. It can, it can go anyway, really. We don't, the thing is, we don't know. Bath yeah. pre-season game um, against Cardiff, uh, lost... Um, they did have another game planned um, against Munster, um, but that was cancelled because some of the Bath lads, I believe, got COVID. So that had to be cancelled. Um, and so, and the thing is with a pre-season is it's a rolling substitute, you know, just yeah, yeah. bring on, take on, bring on, take off. So you can't really get any cohesion of how they're playing. By all accounts, a few that fans have watched said that there was a bit of rust around Bath. Um, but then if you're changing players and, you know, it, we, we just don't have any clue, really. We always go in every season with hope and optimism um, and just hope that we can keep hold of it for as long as possible. Absolutely. Well, listen, yeah, no, that's great. Listen, best of luck. It's going to be, I mean, the thing about this particular season is that um, for the first few weeks, especially, we'll just be happy to be at rugby matches at all. And yeah. it's, it's almost doesn't even matter if it is a 6-3 snooze fest. Um, you'll just be, you'll be there, you'll be having, you know, being in the crowds, maybe having a few beers beforehand, going back to whatever we call normal um, yeah. over the over the next few weeks. So I hope, hopefully that goes well. And uh, we look forward to having you back on again. And uh, closer to the European match. And thanks again for coming on, Matt. Brilliant. Cheers. Thank you very much. No problem. Thanks again to Matt for the interview. So that's it for this week. Like I said earlier, be sure to stay tuned to the website harpenandrugby.net for daily content. And over the coming week, we'll be covering the Irish women's crucial match against Italy, as well as the build-up to the kickoff of the United Rugby Championship. In the meantime, stay safe, everyone. Slán.